Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Batten down the hatches for the latest winter storm. New Ticats quarterback Bo Levi Mitchell joins us. Hamilton's mayor says she had a good meeting with the prime minister. We hear from a woman who has a wild story about her lost luggage. Forget more health care funding. It's time to boost our social supports. And we introduce you to two-liter pop guy. The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. Anthony Farnell is the chief meteorologist at Global News and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Anthony, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. I am uh, doing all right. It is, uh, yeah, it's nice when you get that assurance that the snow has started when you're in my business because <laughs> you always have that <laughs> that concern. Okay, is this actually happening? Yes, it is. Good, good, good. Is this also like Christmas morning for you over and over again when we get these big storms? Yeah, it, I mean, it, it definitely gets, uh, it gets the adrenaline flowing. Maybe it's also a couple of coffees that I've already had. But uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm into it. And uh, we're going to be doing a bunch of different uh, weather, TV hits, radio hits and uh, throughout the day today as uh, I know Typically in January, it's supposed to snow, but the way this month has gone, it's still as though it's almost a first snowfall for some people. Uh, we uh, can confirm that it is snowing outside our studios here at 875 Main Street West here in uh, Hamilton. What is the latest information that you have on this storm system? Well, the latest is that the low is, is continuing on its uh, projected path, but some of the computer models are hinting that it may track a little bit closer to the Hamilton area than what we were initially thinking. So we're still going to get that thumping of snow. It's going to be heaviest in the mid to late afternoon. And then what happens as that low comes directly overhead, it may warm above freezing by a, a degree or two, and that could make a bunch of slop, some drizzle, uh, and uh, it's going to limit exactly how strong those winds get later so there are some good news items with this storm uh either way once the low passes it all ices up pretty quickly by by thursday morning and even though it's not snowing for the commute tomorrow it's still not going to be uh, too easy on on those roads so when you're saying it's it's tracking closer to the hamilton area does that mean we might get even more than what's forecasted the 15 to 20 centimeters of snow no, I, I think 15 is uh, 15 to maybe 17 is, is a good ballpark. It all is front loaded. This system uh, has everything out ahead of it. So the moisture arrives a little earlier than I was actually thinking. It's already snowing and uh, it's, it's adding up. But uh, because of that transition, maybe to some drizzle and, and warmer air, it compacts the snow. I don't think we're going to have those 20 centimeter numbers, at least not in Hamilton. That'll be just north of the track. So if we're looking up towards maybe uh, Halton Hills, more snow for sure with some lake enhancement, uh, Milton, Brampton, and then especially through eastern Ontario where 20 to 25 centimeters is more likely. Global News Chief Meteorologist Anthony Farnell is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Anthony has been tracking the storm for a while now, and it is, uh, well, it's now here. Uh, I know we always get, you know, callers calling in or, or emails from listeners saying, you know, when is the bulk of this going to hit? Are we seeing the most activity this afternoon or later on this evening? I think it'll be mid to late afternoon. That is the worst of it. That's also the worst timing for those that have their car and are venturing into work or trying to do some before dinner errands. I just would advise people to get off the roads late this afternoon because snowfall rates of two to maybe as much as four centimeters an hour. It's tough for the snow plows to keep up with that. Uh, it's snowing pretty heavily now, as you mentioned, Rick, but it doesn't mean it's going to stay that way throughout the rest of the morning. I do think we're going to get a we're going to get a break 
it actually lightens up after this initial burst. So um, on and off, but by the end of the day, it looks like at least 15 centimeters. You also mentioned rain and wind. What impact will those elements have on what we could see? Yeah, the wind uh, is means the sticky snow is going to get plastered to just about everything. It's not heavy enough to cause any power outages, but uh, something that we're watching. Uh, one thing, as the storm passes and the temperature drops, there'll be a light fluffy layer on the tail end that will blow around even into the day on Thursday. Uh, so that transition to drizzle, it's not a sure thing, uh, but it is something we're watching. And, and that would be around just after dinner time that I think the best odds of it, it going over to rain for a time. Well, we appreciate you keeping an eye on the sky and letting us know how this system is developing and will uh, track across our area. Always appreciate your time. Thanks, Rick. And if uh, this one doesn't work out, we've always got Sunday and next week. It is a very <laughs> active storm path uh, heading into February. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Anthony. <laughs> See you. Anthony Farnell, Chief Meteorologist, Global News. Uh, at the end of the day, we're getting some snow, whether it's 15, 17, 20 centimeters. It's going to be a big dumping from old man winter. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Hamilton has made the biggest splash in the CFL's offseason after signing two-time Grey Cup winning quarterback and two-time most outstanding player, Bo Levi-Mitchell, to a three-year contract. Joining us now is the new sheriff in town, Bo Levi, the new QB of the Tiger Cats. Bo, how does that sound? Uh, sounds great, man. I was doing some yeah. some ticket reads this morning. It was hard to do because I'm so used to saying, you know, damn near the same thing over <laughs> and over the last 10 years, but uh, it feels great. You know, it's uh, it's been a... a you know, probably what seems like a short time to everybody on the outside has been a long time coming just uh, since the rights got traded and a lot of phone calls and, you know, messages back and forth with everybody. So, um, you know, for me, it's exciting, um, but, you know, motivating. Just it's time for me to prove myself to a, a different organization, you know, a different locker room uh, and a different set of fans. What was the process like? You've never been, you know, courted to this degree by another team, traded to the rights uh, and having to go through this negotiation. What was that like? Uh, it was fun. You know, I think, uh, you know, I, I dealt with free agency in 2018, but it's, you know, it's hard to it's hard to spend on your roster until you know who your quarterback is and how much you're spending on that guy. So I think, you know, in 18, it was a lot of phone calls from multiple teams and here's our offer. Here's the best thing we can do. And now you're kind of just, you know, picking and choosing. Um, you know, this definitely felt different because I had an idea of, you know, what teams might be out there in free agency if I made it there. But to get you know, uh, to get my rights traded to Hamilton. And, and then this is a place that was a top spot for me is, you know, exciting to get into this room and see, you know, some of the jerseys up that I've played against and see the, the weight room and, you know, meet the coaches now in person and just talking over those guys. Um, for me, man, it's just motivating and, you know, time to get to work. In your speech, you mentioned everyone from Bob Young to Scott Mitchell to Orlando Steinauer to the coordinators to all the way to the trainer uh, for the Ticats. It was obviously a full core press. Did you expect that? Uh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. Um, I, you know, I think that was probably uh, a big part of it for us. It, I'm, I'm sure that any team would have, you know, kind of put on the full court press, but um, the way that they did it to me felt like the right way. You know, it wasn't a, hey, we, we need a decision. We need it, you know, by this day. Um, you know, we want some things to happen. You know, you know, we need you to, you know, basically take away your your thoughts about what you want and, and do with what we want it was it was hey man we're doing this by your book and um 
you just want to show you what what we have and what we have to offer and, and hope that it's enough for you and uh, and your family to want to, to you know come make a life here and it definitely was how close were you going to free agency? I know that was something that you wanted to see, just to see how that process was like again. Were you were you close to saying, you know what, let's just go that route? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a decision that um, you know originally that was the plan, um, and mainly because I wanted to have the opportunity to see certain teams. Um, you know, I didn't see what I needed to see out of you know certain teams out there. Um, you know, the moves they made, and I think uh, you know for me you know this team did by keeping some of the guys they kept and having the opportunity to now bring some back to those bringing some of those players back so um you know i, I just again I, I think i told you when you asked that question up there it was um you know i i'm, I'm ready now uh you know more than po- i probably have ever been just to get going and now it seems so far away because now the signings happened and <laughs> uh but yeah it, it, it was a it was a decision to not go to free agency because um you know they did all the right things and they gave us everything we wanted as far as uh, a winning culture you know winning team uh, a great city to be in and uh that's the, what mattered the most to me and my family part of this courting process was getting a tour of the city what did you think i loved it man i did um you know, it was funny because we left Calgary and it was like minus 30 and snowing. And then we got here and it was, you know, no snow on the ground that day. And <laughs> the girls are just baffled at what was going on. Um, but yeah, just being close to the water, um, you know, seeing the seeing kind of the steel mills there and uh, just, you know, the entire city. I mean, every, everything we've ever done in Calgary is fly here, stay in a hotel and leave. So I've never got to really truly see the city. Uh, so being able to actually get out and see the city was amazing. Um, you know, I went out, saw, you know, Burlington, uh, Oakville, you know, Ancaster, you know, Stony Creek area, just kind of driving around. I'm looking at all real estate and whatnot, and I uh, was very impressed with everything I saw. And um, you know, what matters to me most is what's in, inside this building. So, um, talk about free agency in terms of potentially courting some free agents at Hamilton or keeping some some players on this team too. How active are you going to be in doing that? Uh, as active as you know, they'd like me to be. I'll, I'll probably be a little bit more active than that. Um, you know, I've I've you know been messaging guys just to. You know, kind of see what guys are thinking for agency wise. You know what what guys want. Um, you know, but now truly being a part of this organization, uh, excited to again talk with the guys in this room. You know, I think uh, the big thing about free agency is a lot of people forget about the guys that are already in the room and maybe they don't have the biggest name yet. Um, but there's players in this locker room and there's players that haven't gotten their chance yet. So I'm excited to see film on those guys and um, maybe even give my opinion on you know some of them and get some of the coaches' opinion on the guys that maybe haven't seen as much playing time. Um, that's the same thing around the league. There's a lot of guys that are waiting to win and look for an opportunity to play. So, um, you know, if those guys think that, you know, Hamilton, the black and gold is where they want to be, then hopefully that's uh, something I can help with. I liken uh, Tommy Condell, the offensive coordinator, to a mad scientist because he's really creative with his offensive schemes. How much input do you want to have and how do you think you're going to mesh with him? Yeah, I mean, I want to have a lot, but I'll, I'll never demand anything from him as far as, you know, hey, I want you to, no matter what, do this or this or this. It's, it has to be a, collabor- a cl- collaboration. You know, we have to see things differently and at the same time seeing the same you know it's this this game you know used to air it out throw, throw the ball down the field you know um and it's become a lot more of a you know shorter college throw the bubble screens mm-hmm. and everything which is great because it works as an, an extension of the run game but um you know, i think we're, we're both of the same opinion that we want to move the ball down the field and, and do it at a fast rate it's January. The season doesn't start till June. Is it going to be torturous between now and then? Because, you know, you want to get on the field? A little bit, yeah. Mentally, probably. Um, but at the same time, I've got a lot of things I have to go learn. You know, there's a, a whole new offense, a new coordinator, the way he talks. Language is a big one for me. You know, I, I think... Uh, 
your receiving crew, your quarterbacks, you have to speak the same language. You know, if I want you to, to run, you know, a curl, there's there's 12 different ways to say curl. You, you know, hook, button hook, there's all different ways to say it. So uh, it's learning that language that these guys know and, and, and putting on myself to immerse myself into that rather than getting them to try to speak my language. Uh, Ticats playing Calgary September 23rd, Tim Hortons Fields, the only game in the regular season. How psyched are you for that? Are you circling that on Not the calendar? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm excited, man. I think... Uh, Obviously, it'll it'll be you know amazing the day I get to go back and play into that stadium as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it'll be fun, man. I mean, I've been with that team for such a long time. That organization has been been amazing. Uh, I got a lot of friends and you know family on that team and in that organization still. And um, it'll be fun dapping Jacob, you know, pregame and whatnot. But <laughs> that that battle is going to be fun for a lot of years to come. Last one, Tiger fans might be wondering: Is Bo healthy? Like, what's your health status? Yeah, everybody keeps asking, man. But uh, I think I showed it last year. Um, you know, I was just telling uh, Matthew in this last interview. You know, you don't you don't deal with injuries until you do. You know, I I played you know eight years injury free, never missing a game. Um, you know, then one one bad thing happens, leads to another, and that's just kind of how injuries tend to go with sports. Is you know they kind of they happen because of certain things in your body being weak, and then all of a sudden now you got to strengthen that and go all the way back down that chain. So uh, I feel like I've gotten down that chain and, and and built it back up, and the body feels great, and just you know excited, ready to go. Congratulations, best of luck this year. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. That is new Ticats quarterback Bo Levi Mitchell. Also the focus of our poll question of the day today is he going to lead Hamilton to their first Grey Cup championship since '99? Vote now on Twitter at AM900CHML. Send me a text at 905-645-3221. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900CHML. There are lots of things we can do in targeted support that's going to help families who need it while not adding to the inflation crisis that is uh, that is continuing to be a challenge. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, a guest of ours on Good Morning Hamilton yesterday morning here on 900 CHML. Uh, he and local MP Philomena Tassi yesterday uh, met with Hamilton's mayor as part of this week's Liberal Cabinet Retreat. What was discussed at that get-together? Well, let's ask Mayor Andrea Horvath, the mayor of the city of Hamilton, who joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Andrea, good morning. How are you? I'm very well, Rick. Thanks. Good morning to you, too. What was on the uh, discussion agenda yesterday? Well, it was a chance for uh, the uh, Prime Minister and I to talk about some of the priorities for Hamilton. And, of course, many of those fit into what the Cabinet was discussing around particularly issues of of affordability. So I did emphasize our need for uh, more affordable housing. We talked about the LRT and the opportunities that come with that. We talked about some of the investments that they've already made, uh, that the federal government's already made in Hamilton. Uh, really, this is about making sure that they were aware, that the prime minister was aware of some of our our needs. And so we talked about things like infrastructure as well. Um, at, speaking of, I, I was very happy to have um, a chance to thank the uh, prime minister and the federal government for the investment in greening our steel industry. And we've got some um, I think some good partners there when it comes to looking at uh, greening our economy overall. So it was a really positive meeting. In the uh, the transcript of the meeting, you also discussed 2030 Commonwealth Games. Is the uh, Prime Minister supportive of Hamilton's bid? Well, the Prime Minister said he uh, generally stays out of the... Um, you know, the decision-making process until uh, a, a city or a community uh, comes forward and uh, puts a, a bid together that receives um, support from the provincial government. And so uh, he's uh, he's basically committed to the, uh, you know, the federal government being on board if, in fact, uh, the bid moves forward. And uh, I guess there's a, a federal formula 
that um, that they put into place once these kinds of games are uh, or are finalized in terms of uh, host cities or host communities, and that's where we're at. Speaking of transit, you mentioned LRT uh, just a few minutes ago. There was a discussion at City Hall yesterday around offering free HSR service in this city, which would delete almost $50 million in revenue. Is is the free transit concept something that you could support? Well, you know, I think uh, in, in terms of, um, of a, a broader long-term goal, that's something that uh, that people understand we'll take cars off the road and, and uh, get, get even more transportation GSG, GHGs uh, out of our uh, air, air, air shed or, or out of our, uh, uh, our environment. However, <laughs> it's a significant investment, and I think that everything that we do uh, that uh, might give us uh, steps towards that goal is positive. I don't think it's something that can be immediately implemented. We simply don't have the capacity financially to do so. We have about one more minute. With this retreat being held in Hamilton, there's a greater attention on our city, which is awesome. But will it translate into, uh, I don't know, more federally funded projects down the road for us? Well, you know, I, I did uh, flag with the Prime Minister a couple of uh, projects that uh, uh, that we're looking at getting some support for. Again, I think that uh, as we're looking to projects that help uh, reduce environmental impacts, uh, when we look at projects that help with uh, homelessness, affordable housing, uh, those kinds of priorities, we are, we're definitely aligned. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing even more investments from the federal government. And I didn't hear anything from the prime minister to suggest that that wasn't possible. That's good news. Mayor Horvath, thanks for the time today. And uh, we'll chat with you down the road. Thank you so much, Rick. Take care. Have a good day and stay safe with that snowstorm. You got it. Thank you very much. Andrew Horvath, Mayor of the City of Hamilton, joining us here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. There's a couple here in Ontario that, uh, well, they use their noggins because they've been hearing about lost luggage, chaos in the travel industry and they said you know what we're going to put some apple air tags in our luggage and at least we can track to see where it is and well lo and behold part of their luggage did not make it with them to their honeymoon in greece last fall surprise surprise months later however they did get a bit of a surprise when they found out that the luggage that was lost was being donated to charity by air canada like what (laughs) <laughs> Nikita Reese Wilson is the woman who had her luggage donated to charity by Air Canada and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Nikita, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. This is a wild story. How did you go from learning that you didn't have some of your luggage for your honeymoon to finding out that it was being given to charity? Well, actually, it was on our way home. So we didn't receive it home um, to Mon- we didn't receive it home to Toronto. Um, but when we found out that it had been potentially and donated to charity, which we didn't even find that out, the cops found that out after we had to wait and do our own investigation for four and a half months and get a warrant. And, and that was Air Canada's first response was, oh, we, we legally, under legal means, donated it to, to charity. So you fly home from Greece to Toronto. You find out, hey, we got a bag missing. We go to Air Canada, all right? We don't, we don't find, we'll find it for you. It's got to be somewhere. And then weeks and weeks and weeks pass, and this bag is still nowhere to be found. Yeah, so luckily we tracked it, right? So we watched it move Montreal to Etobicoke and then into a public storage facility in a matter of only 31 days after we uh, touched down in Toronto on September 10th, which I thought was a little weird. (laughs) 
Yeah, obviously. And uh, you go to this storage facility to say, hey, where's my bag? So we went, and it's a public storage facility, so we weren't sure if he was even going to let us in. For You know, we don't have a unit. But thankfully he did, and we were able to walk around. When we went around the first time, we didn't find anything. Nothing showed up on our tag. But when the tag updated a week later and we could see the exact building, that's when my husband went back again. And was like, um, I know what building it is in. So they let him walk around. He walked around for about two hours until his location and his bag's location were like right on top of one another. And that's when he started, you know, peering through the, the couple inch space in the door and found the unit of luggage. And were there a lot of bags in this storage facility? He said it was pushed all the way up to the door. And then when the cops opened it, they said there was around 500 bags. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. were you under the impression that all these bags in this storage facility were being given to charity as well? No, at first, at first we thought it was a processing, maybe like overflow for Pearson. That's why we didn't think anything of it. We're yeah. like, this is weird, but maybe it's overflow. And then when it waited and sat there and we heard nothing from Air Canada, we were like, was our bags stolen? That's kind of our first thought. And then I was like, there's no way it was stolen. And then when the like the statements came out from Air Canada, we're like, wait. So it was donated and this charity owns this unit. Something doesn't seem right. Nikita Reese Wilson is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Uh, as you can tell, a wild and wacky story about her lost luggage. So where did the charity angle come in? I have no idea. I still to this day don't know. We're currently waiting on the police report to get the charity name. Wow. Now, did you receive an, uh, a refund from Air Canada? And, and if you did, maybe the airline thought, all right, they're giving away ownership of their bag? So we received a compensation back in October, but nowhere in their tariffs, their terms and conditions, because we've looked it all over. We've talked to Air Passenger Rights Advocate. Um, a couple lawyers have come in with media, and they have all said there is no transfer of ownership that does not exist. That is illegal. You still own that property. Mm-hmm. So where are you taking this? <laughs> well, we're in the process of, now that we have our bag back, I feel like Air Canada maybe thought that we were kind of there. Um, but we're in the process of potentially taking this further legally. Have you heard from other people who are in the same situation? Tons. I've heard tons of people. Wow. I have messages coming in daily about people who have experienced the same thing. Uh, is there any tip you can offer to a would-be traveler who might have to stick handle through this? Yeah. Um, put something on the inside and the outside that designates that it's you. I know we all put tags on the outside, but of course ours fell off. We had a tag, but it wasn't there. Um, and if a baggage tag falls off, that's kind of where the issue starts. So get yourself a child tracker, an air tag, and then also within your luggage, even if it's on pieces of paper, write your name and your address, paint it, embroider it, do whatever you can that it signifies to someone that it's yours yeah. and that they don't have to go through the process of not getting it back potentially. Well, uh, we're all glad that you got your bag back and we're all eagerly anticipating the next steps, uh, legal or otherwise. Nikita, thanks for sharing your story with us and uh, good luck with us. Thanks for having me. Nikita Reese Wilson is uh, this individual, her and her husband, going to honeymoon in Greece. I'm sure at a great time, but on the way back... Things started to go off the rails. I, I hate to laugh, but my, oh my, that, that's all you're left to do. Uh, giving it to charity? Jeez, Louise. No, it's not yours, Air Canada. I'm sorry. That's my bag. You've misplaced it, and now we're trying to give it away? 
that's now how this thing works. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Healthcare, as we know, is a huge topic in this country, in this province, in this city, of course. We're in crisis mode in Canada. What the answer is, well, that remains to be seen on what this federal cabinet retreat holds in terms of what's coming up in the spring budget and what the federal government decides to ultimately do. We've uh, seen what the provincial government wants to do with health care, but we know this. Um, health funding is certainly lacking at some levels of governments. There's physician burnout, there's attrition and uh, recruitment factors. There's got to be some options on the table. What is the answer? How do we fix our healthcare system? Well, Paul Kershaw is not only a professor in the School of Population Health at the University of British Columbia, he has some ideas on how we can move the ball forward in a positive light. Paul, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm well, thank you. It's clear the status quo is not working. Um, Why hasn't it? Well, I think it reflects uh, primarily that we misunderstand what makes us healthy and well. I think too often we assume that it's a strong medical care system that makes us well when really the medical care system simply needs to kick into gear when the other parts of our systems have allowed us to become sick in the first place. And so I think we have two options right now. On the one hand, we think we have like a long line of patients for whom we need to spend more on the medical system to have more doctors and nurses care for them. And we'll debate about how much of that should be in the private or the public system and how much of it should be used to pay doctors. And yes, all of those questions are important. But their answers are not enough to make us healthy. We actually need to focus more on the investments that will prevent illness and keep people well. And that's much more on the social side. That's the child care, the poverty reduction, the housing investments, and so on. Now, we're doing that to a certain extent. There's a new dental care program, for for instance. There could potentially be a, a new nationwide pharmacare program if the Liberals and NDP kind of find that middle ground on whatever that looks like. So things have been done in that regard. Is it well, enough? Well, notice, though, though and so I shouldn't interrupt on the radio. That was so rude. But notice I was <laughs> going to say that um, the moment you talk about pharmacare or uh, dental care, those are still parts of the medical care system. When we're right. talking about promoting health and well-being, we're actually needing to move further upstream. So here's a different metaphor to think about. You know, would you rather flee the window of your burning home or do the work that's necessary to prevent a fire? And of course, we're grateful for firefighters and their heroism, but We all know that preventing fires is so much less deadly, damaging, and costly. And right now, what we we saw some decades ago are provincial governments more consistently spending more on social and educational spending by comparison with healthcare, by comparison with medical care. I need to be really precise here. More on social and education issues than medical care. Now they spend considerably less on social and education compared to medical care. They've swapped their focus on treating illness rather than preventing it in the first place. And this then plays into the politics of what's being talked about in your city right now as the federal liberal are meeting for their caucus retreat. Because I think that the premiers are sort of duping the federal government into saying, oh, we have to debate them on how much we're transferring. How much money are we transferring for the medical care system? Rather than claiming credit, it's the feds who've been stepping up to invest more in child care, to have a national housing strategy, a national poverty reduction strategy, to promote reconciliation. Because that's actually where the health promotion action really takes place and where provinces have been retreating. To use your burning house analogy, and I love it, and I think it works perfectly, but is it not a case of 
uh, the government, health officials, whatever the case is, telling us, hey, listen, you need to eat right, you need to exercise, you need to be aware of your mental health, take care of yourself, and it's us as a society lighting the match. That's a really interesting way to put it. And I think, though, if we take one step back further, like, think about what we learned about COVID. The risks of getting COVID in the, you know, the first year of the pandemic related to where did you live? What was your housing? Where did your work? What were the working conditions? I think that has to be such a signal for us. Then what did we do during uh, COVID? We, you know, as the economy was being undermined, as everyone needed to physically distance, we had our federal government actually really ramp up social spending much more urgently than medical spending. And one of the things that happened is we reduced poverty to levels that I've never seen in my, preven- my professional career. But now that we've kind of come out of those early experiences of COVID uh, and we're kind of losing sight of like, oh, health doesn't begin with the medical care system. Health begins where we're born, grow, live, work and age. And so that's the, the, the federal liberals right now. They could, you know, put some more money and actually now transform the system. They could kind of have a status quo thing that will just cost us more money because you can't spend your way through a medical care system to make us healthy. Or they could say, yes, clearly the long line of patients with long wait times is inadequate right now because we've been doing too little prevention. So we're going to have to do some firefighting right now. But let's not let the firefighting drain all the resources. Let's know that science is clear. We are more likely to improve life expectancy and reduce avoidable deaths and illness the more urgently we grow social spending by comparison with medical spending. Got about a minute with Paul Kershaw, professor in the School of Population Health at UBC. Uh, we're talking about healthcare and how to get to a much better place, not only with our personal health, but certainly from a, uh, a health policy standpoint. What do you make of what the Doug Ford government here in Ontario has decided to do in offering more care at private clinics? Yeah, so this is, you know, not a new conversation in Canada. And I am definitely one who is constantly urging us to try and find efficiencies. There are economists out there who will be better on this issue than me. But what I can tell you is say, you know, check out somebody like David Green at UBC who's talked about this for a while. And he'll say them, the more we rely on the private sector to deliver care paid for by the public, the private sector is going to cream the easy cases and profit from it leaving the public sector to take the complicated cases and not have the economy of scale that comes with having the easy ones. And so there's a risk that the quality in the public system starts to deteriorate while the private system creams the profits. That's a different kind of conversation. Again, it's not an unimportant one, but that will never fix making the broken medical care system now reprioritize what I think Tommy Douglas, like the father of medical care, he said, remember, Our intention for medical care is not just to patch people up when they get sick, it's to keep people well in the first place. And so we right now, we're not just fighting a medical care crisis, we're fighting like an inflation crisis, a cost of living crisis. Helping those most struggling with the cost of living crisis actually is going to help the population health as well. It's the flip side of the same coin, and we can get double duty from doubling down on investing on social issues, which will in the medium and long term and in the short term improve the health of the population and reduce pressures and reduce physician burnout because physicians are feeling like can i can i prescribe childcare? can i prescribe housing can i prescribe poverty reduction they can't and they know this is a big challenge facing them and why their line of patients is so long all great points paul kershaw professor in the school of population health at ubc really appreciate your time today thanks for joining us 
My pleasure. Have a great day. Very interesting discussion. Thanks again to Dr. Kershaw. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. St. Catherine's man. Have you seen this? He's enjoying his 15 minutes of fame after his comments on Canada's new alcohol consumption guidelines went absolutely viral. The main point here is why are they telling me what I can drink at home? What, can I have uh, two liters of pop? Can I have two liters of pop? Well, what's more healthy, four beers or two liters of Coca-Cola? Do the math. That is Dino, a.k.a. two-liter pop guy, offering his reaction to CHCH News the other day about the new booze guidelines in this country. Not only has he gone viral, he joined brother station Y108 on the Taz and Jim morning show. It's Taz and Jim, and I think we've tracked down the two-liter pop guy. Dino, is it really you? Yeah, that's me. What a ride you're on here now, bud. Oh, it's crazy. Uh, We're going to need some evidence. Could you uh, give us some of your catchphrases, please? You can't handle the two. (laughs) (laughs) What about the two liters of pop? We need to hear the the go-to. Can I have two liters of pop? It's him. It is him. (laughs) Jim, you got so excited when you saw this video for the first time. Yeah, because you know what? Your reaction was kind of a lot of our reactions, just funnier. So what happened that day? You're in St. Catharines. You get approached by a news guy. What happened? I just got back from my doctor, right? I'm telling my buddy, I said, okay, I've done my doctor appointments. Take me to the in the, oops, no swearing, right? You can swear. Okay, good. Uh, so I says, uh, take me to the liquor store. I need some vodka. He's like, no, do you know, you go stick to your beer today. We pull in and the cameras are there. And I says, uh-oh, what's this? Now it's my time to shine. I says, cameras. This is your shot, Dino. Rock and roll. <laughs> I walked up to the, to the, and they were wrapping up. They were finished. Right? Yeah. And I says, the guy says, what's this all about? He goes, then he says something about the guidelines. I didn't even know, right? Yeah. And I says, okay. I says, can I get in on this? <laughs> the guy says, Okay. And then all that happened. All that happened. What does your doctor say? How many beers did your doctor say you should be drinking a day? He don't know. Well, did you get a think he might now. He might have a couple suspicions. (laughs) (laughs) It's been pretty crazy, though. Right on. Well, this was your moment. You really stepped up to the plate. How does it feel to get all this attention? Well, it's okay. Did you just just fart? Did I fart? Yeah. No, but I could if you'd like. No, we're good. That's all right. You've got to be liking it a little bit. Are you sitting on a leather chair? (laughs) (laughs) I heard something there. Did you hear? Either you're at the park and a duck just walked by. I heard a little quack. uh, You know, it was either a toot or he was moving his, maybe his beer bottle on the table. I don't know. Either way. Dino, a.k.a. Two Liter Pop Guy, is loving his newfound fame, and he references that in his discussion with Y108 Morning Show host Taz and Jim. Don't tell me you're not enjoying the attention, Dino. Come on, you seem like the life of a party. Well, in the comment sections of everywhere, yeah, I feel like it's, it, I gotta say, Canadians are f***ing hilarious. What's, okay? the, what's the best comment you've read? What's the funniest comment you read? Was the Ron Jeremy one? You do okay, have a bit of a young young Ron Jeremy vibe. 
Yeah, oh no, everybody's, hey, it's Ron Jeremy, oh my God, he's in Hamilton. <laughs> and, uh, it, it, like, believe me, I've been called Ron Jeremy, like I say, since before poutine reached Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> That's how long. Okay. Uh, now, does, does all of you look like Ron Jeremy or just like from the waist up? <laughs> you can't handle the dude. Oh, boy. <laughs> Dino, we're scrolling through and you've started a, uh, some social media uh, pages here. Two liter pop guy, if you want to follow him on Twitter. Uh, we were scrolling through your videos and we saw that your dream is to sing the Canadian national anthem at yes. a Hamilton Tiger Cats game. Hey, you, want, you, want me, you want me to show you how I'm going to do it? Watch, I'll give you a couple notes so the, the Thai cats hear this. You ready? Yeah. This is breaking news, my friends. Oh, Canada. What do you think? Not bad. Not bad. You left us wanting more, Dino. Come <laughs> on, <laughs> oh, you can't do that. they got to be at the game. All right. Well, Dino, if we do see you at a Thai Cats game, we're going to buy you a, a, a couple cold beer. Or two liters of pop. It's up to you, okay? Oh, no pop for me. <laughs> <laughs> What's next? What's next for Dino, the two liter pop guy? What are you going to do? I don't f know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Do the math. What's your, um, What's your station? I'll give you a little call thing, like a thing that you can play. I'll do the you can't handle the two. Okay. Uh, okay. Taz and Jim? You got Taz, it, buddy. Taz, T-A-Z, and Jim. Okay, ready? Yep. You're listening to Taz and Jim, and you can't handle the dude. Rock and roll! There's a little taste of Dino, the two-liter pop guy. Hey, if you want a little uh, mix of uh, rock with your talk radio, listen to Taz and Jim on Brother Station. Why would I wait? Weekday mornings from 530 to 9. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode, and make sure you rate and review.